What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is episode 154. It's a little throwback Thursday today. Sean and I went over an old Nixon Heat game from 1999 back in the playoffs, game five. We broke down that game. Uh, we rewatched it, the both of us, um, from cover to cover. I hope everybody's staying safe, staying inside. Hopefully we can get through this together. Follow us on Twitter at SorrySports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com. And if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. Enjoy the music, and we'll be talking to you on Monday. I got a story to tell, you know that I cherish this. Hope it ain't too many feelings involved. Bitch, starting popping bottles, getting drunk with these bitches, and when they leave, they get followed. Fall asleep with that bitch, and really don't know much about her. Then she let us in, we take all of your shit. And when you wake up, she help you try to find it. I love her. I be with bitches, that be with bitches, that be with niggas with riches. I tell her, get him. She say, I got you. I say, no bitch, I say, get him. And they so pretty, and they had lengthy. He hit it and sleep on her titties. And she give us the worry, come through with their cases to stick up. She scream like a victim, like you. Feeling so silly, I smoke color purple. I'm up in here feeling like silly. Ooh, nappy ass dress. What's that you say? Watch your mouth, Millie Vanilli. Ooh, you can get snakes, you can get faced. I'll buy the bitch that you feeling, cause you thought she was an angel. That bitch ain't no angel. I treat her halo like a frisbee, and you tell her your business. She tell me your business. You tell that bitch what you feeling. All of the beans you be spilling to you. She like through her tea cavities feeling. She know where you had it. Tell me where it's hidden. She know when you gone. Tell me. Me when the piss and we breaking your home and take the specifics in me while the bitches on vacation with them so she don't get blamed. We don't snatch chains, we run out of dresses, and we don't leave muscles. You don't only know that it's going when you check it. Then your first thought is to start second guessing. She said was wrong, you say nothing, keep resting. She said was missing, how you know something missing. I'm trying to think of plays. Throwback Thursday, flashback Friday. I don't know what we're going to do each week, so I don't know. You're not trying to completely steal the Bill Simmons rewatchable thing? I didn't want to. I knew you were going to dance around that. I was not going to take that. Either What's way, today? Um, Is today Thursday? Yeah, shit. Throwback Thursday. Thursday. There we go. TBT. We'll, hashtag. At do, we'll at least do it for this week. Follow um, us on Instagram so we're gonna and Twitter. Really good game. Hashtag um, TBT. There you go for the NBA. But before we do that, Tom, uh, we got back into the music game today, man. So give us a little background on the song you selected for tonight. Yeah, I felt like we had to. Decided not to be lazy today. Mona Lisa, a little bit of a newer song, came out in 2014 on the Carter 5. Everybody was waiting for Lil Wayne to drop an album. Uh, it was recorded in 2014, I'm sorry, but it was released in 2018, um, which is pretty interesting. But Kendrick Lamar on the record, two great lyricists. Uh, I think it came out, I mean, everybody was waiting for Lil Wayne to drop the Carter 5, so it came out. Number two on the Billboard 100, lyrically, this song is definitely up there. Oh, dude, like, if you go to Google, like, and you type in, like, just Mona and then, like, the L, it, the first thing it does is go to lyrics. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because, I mean, Mona, the Mona Lisa is literally the most historic, greatest piece of art by all accounts ever. By the way, I, I have been to the Louvre. I'm cultured. It's okay. Wow. It's no big deal. It's about, honestly, the picture is very underwhelming. It's about, first of all, you can't get near it. It's it's heavily guarded. I think it's been stolen twice since it's been since it's been painted. Um, but I think it's it's probably about the size of your computer screen, maybe smaller. 
Wow. So, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Louvre. Probably not. I have not. Um, no, I have not found my way over there. But, I'm sorry. You know, honestly, in my opinion, uh, you got to see it because it's the Mona Lisa. But the room's tough to get in. It's hot. There's a million people in there. There's a lot better art out there than that. Strong. Yeah. Anything else about the song part, or are you just going to go right in? You just want to be happy talking about the lyrics or well, the, uh, the painting. Like I said, number two on the Billboard 100. Number one, rap, obviously. Um, yeah, go listen to it. It's fire. Yeah, I think you should. It's a great song. You texted it to me. I was like, yes, bring that on. So yep. great call by you. Okay, so yeah, we're not stealing the Bill Simmons trademark stuff. So one podcast is not taken from another, but. You know, listen, we're in quarantine with sports, and we did this for March Madness. We rewatched a bunch of games, and I figured, hey, let's keep content going. Watch the NBA a little bit. And, yeah, so, you know, we might do NBA for a while. We can go to some baseball games, some NFL, really whatever whatever floats our boat. But for week one of this thing, we turn back the clock to May 16th of 1999. I just want everybody to know that this was your pick, not mine. This was my pick. This was not a Knicks, you know, Homer fan club boy. Uh, this was a Sean pick here. May 16th, 1999. 99 Eastern Conference playoffs. First round game five when the first rounds were a decisive game five. There was no best four of seven in every single round. I think they should send it back to that in a heartbeat. I, to- I totally agree. And maybe with the whole quarantine thing and, and with how long – this delay lasts that will might be put into action for only this year. I'm thinking and best of three this year, bro. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if they want to accelerate the playoffs that much, but going forward, I think the first round three of five is fine. Like completely you agree eight, with you. Eight ones, you know, like those, those makes it more interesting close. too, because it gives you a better shot at an upset. Well, that's exactly right, and this is what happened in this game. Now, just a little background before we get into this game, which is absolutely awesome. Um, The Heat had beaten the Knicks in the 97 97 Eastern semifinals in seven games. Uh, That was highlighted by a Game 5 brawl where Patrick Ewing, Allen Houston, Larry Johnson, and John Starks left the bench, ended up getting suspended for Game 6 and 7. What was interesting about that was the suspensions were handed out at different times. They weren't all in one. So Ewing, Houston, uh, and Charlie Ward got suspended for Game 6, and Larry Johnson and John Starks got suspended for Game 7. The Knicks subsequently lost that Game 5 where the brawl happened and Game 6 and 7, so the Heat knocked them out 3-1. to one. Again, that was a best of 7 because that was the semifinals. The next year, 98, the year leading up to this one, again, five-game series, first round, um, Morning and LJ fought in a contentious game four, and that has that iconic moment of uh, Jeff Van Gundy literally holding on to the leg of Alonzo Morning, just going at him. I mean, everybody talks about the Knicks Bulls rivalry, and rightfully so in the early, the mid 90s. This rivalry, I think, was even more fierce because they were more evenly matched. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jordan was and just then that Morning much better. And Johnson, yeah, and Morning and Larry Johnson were both suspended for game five. Um, the Knicks ended up winning that series in five. So we fast forward to 99 before we get into this game. Just a quick background on this series. This was the strike shortened season because of the lockout. So there was only 55 games played. Knicks ended up getting the eight seed. They were injured the entire time. Ewing was hurt from the rip, from the jump to, I mean, if you go back and watch this game, which everybody should after we talk about it, wincing in pain. The guy could was dragging his feet. 
Oh yeah, I mean he suffered an injury in that game, but he had battling he had been battling Achilles tendonitis, which is just absolutely nasty the entirety of the season, and obviously a lot of tread on those tires. Um, the Knicks end up winning a game one convincingly on the road by twenty. Heat come back, win the next game by ten. Seesaw battle here. Knicks win game three. They kill him again by twenty four. Heat come back, have a blowout of their own fifteen. Now we're back in Miami for game five. So, Tom, let's start with you here. From the jump, what did you take away from the first couple minutes of this game or maybe even the lead-up to it? Lead-up to it, um, you listen to the announcers talk. Um, I don't know the other two announcers, but I know Bill Walton was on it. I, I don't know if there's a controversial take, but I'm not a big fan of Bill Walton calling NBA oh, games. I'm not either. I'm Let so him call the Pac-12, the, the Conference of Champions, as he calls it, even though they haven't won a thing since. I, when was the last time they won a championship? Was it like Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart or something? I'm trying to think even basketball because that UCLA team lost to Florida in 06. Yeah, Jordan Farmer. I can't remember that. before that. Yeah, but they they had not won in a while. Whatever. Who cares? Um. But I guess the sideline reporter or whatever was saying that if they didn't win this series, it was Jeff Jeff Van Gundy was all but fired. And I just wrote in my notes, LOL, to that because now we just want a fucking Knicks coach to be able to, you know, draw up a single play and he'll he'll last the season. And back then, even though the Knicks didn't win a championship, it was like if he if they don't advance far, even in an injury riddled team. And they go to the finals. I mean, before like this was obviously previous to that. He's his job is still threatened. And I would give an arm and a leg for Jeff Van Gundy. One to get his ass out of the booth. I'm getting tired of his bitching. <laughs> and two to get him back on the sidelines. Now, question for you: Did you hear? First of all, the sideline reporter was Jim Gray. This was an NBC broadcast, so you had Walton doing the color. Jim Gray. Uh, Brady's boy was doing the sideline and did you hear I think it was during the second quarter who yes. they were talking about maybe becoming the Knicks head coach um who was become um oh Phil Jackson yes yeah the coach in the GM by the Bulls. yes yes and um of course the uh whoever was running the Knicks at that time said oh I want Patrick Ewing to retire, Nick, this, that, and the third. And then they subsequently trade him to, I believe, the Supersonics, mm-hmm. what, a couple months later? Now, don't get me wrong. Patrick was way past his prime. At this point, he was just begging for a ring, chasing completely, broken by Michael Jordan a million times. But I think it was the right move to trade him, but just classic Nick saying, no, 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 he's not going anywhere, and then trading him. Right, and they might have meant that. And I think he spent one more year because then – no, he oh, didn't. No, I looked it up. Yeah, because it was – was it the year – oh, was 2000, it that year, 99, the 2000, that he suffered the, the Achilles? The 2001 season, Patrick Ewing was not on the Knicks. Okay, yeah, gotcha. So this so this 99, it would have been – yeah, the 99-2000 team would have been his last, but he, he didn't play because I think in the Indiana series he ruptured the Achilles finally. And yeah, it finally just went on him. Um and that's everybody coming up with the Ewing theory and saying the team's better. I mean, he carried he carried the team in this game. Towards the end, we're going to talk about it, but he missed a bunny jump shot, classic Patrick Ewing style, clutch second, where he can take take give the team a lead. Didn't cost him this time. Um, another thing pregame, just looking at I, I had to Wikipedia. I usually I do it about once a year. I Wikipedia Charlie Ward. 
Um, mm. I think he might be the all-time greatest athlete ever. He's up there, man. What a career, huh? First of all, Heisman winner. Um, leads Florida State to a national championship. Spends two years in the NBA. Was also drafted in the 59th round by, I think, the Milwaukee Brewers. And then again, out of college, he was drafted in the 18th round as a pitcher by our New York Yankees. So, I mean, 59th round, like, I know the Padres took Johnny Manziel in, like, the 60th round, and Russell Wilson gets drafted every single year. But if you're using, like, an 18th round draft pick, you got to have a little bit of talent there, right? Oh, yeah, most especially since it was his third sport, and he had no ambitions of playing it professionally. Oh, and let's talk about his fourth sport. He was also he was also a national champion tennis player as a child. Like, you, you can't make those, this shit up. But you if have I, those athletic genes, huh? I mean, Jesus. Like, you couldn't even write that in, like, a movie script because somebody would be like, this is just, this is a little too much. You got to get rid of one sport there. Oh, yeah, no, and, and he... His, he was actually on with uh, Chris Carlin, uh, I think it was the other night, and I listened to his interview, and he was like, yeah, I really liked football, but basketball was my thing. And there was apparently he, – he was saying the reason he didn't fall in love with football was because he knew that, you know, his kind of – you know, he's a smaller guy, and, and his passing game might not have translated to the next level, especially back then in the mid-'90s. Teams just weren't scouting those kind of guys quarterback so he kind of gave up on the thought of that yeah and really it was just honed in on basketball yeah i mean listen he played from 94 to 2004 that's a 10-year nba career he definitely made double digits in the millions good little career there for him i think he would have been better fit for this era because he was a little slender um another thing i take away from this game is a guy that would have been like perfect for this era was tim hardaway oh yeah oh yeah i mean Obviously, we talk about he has one of the best crossovers of all time. They call it, you know, they call it the killer crossover. Um, getting to the rim at will, and if there was no hand checking, getting beat up at the rim like there was back then, just the way watching him run the pick and roll, the little bit that Riley ran it with him in a morning, I think they would have won this game if they ran that more. Um, he just would have been absolutely perfect for this game. I totally agree. He reminds and me of like a Dame Lillard with like a little bit less explosion. The quickness is there, but less explosion because Dame Lillard can just dunk on you at any second. Right. I think he also would have been, you know, a little more uncaged too, as far as his outside shooting. Yeah, that absolutely. Just wasn't something I mean, that they, I, I mean, think they any were player doing it a lot in this game compared to the Knicks. Not to cut you off, they were doing it a lot compared to the Knicks in this game. But that's still an era where three point shooting really wasn't prolific. I think he would have been great in today's game, just from that part of the basketball uh, game aside. Agree with you completely. Um, why don't we jump into the game because there's a bunch of guys that we can talk about while we're going into the game. So the Heat get off to first of all when I'm watching this game, the Heat get off to a fast start, making a lot of shots. Um, this game was more like when I was watching it, it was more like watching like 20 like little basketball games and then a bunch of shit in between because there was a lot of empty possessions, a lot of turnovers, a lot of just absolute garbage, and then there'd be spurts of good basketball. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you want to talk about the antithesis of kind of these slug fests. I mean, there were a lot of extended runs in this game. You talked about the Heat getting up early. They went on a uh, twenty-one to three run, and then the Knicks came back with their own twenty-three to three run, and then I think the Heat went on a twenty-one to ten run to end the half, and Hardaway hit that um, floater that put them up two, I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, here you have 
I mean, just first quarter alone, 540 left, Heater up 14-6, then they're up 18-8, then the Knicks, the Knicks start 3 of 12 shooting, which is, and like, I'm sure you were thinking watching this game, like, how is this game even close? Yeah, yeah, they were, I don't know how the Knicks were holding them at bay at the beginning, I think they should have been up probably 30, 32 maybe. Yeah. Um, But the Knicks came out of a timeout. About around, what, the seven-minute mark, I'd say, and they put the clamps on on defense, started creating some turnovers, and the point guards kind of went to work and started scoring for them there. Yeah, exactly. Another thing I noticed early that was just so stupid, and I mean, I guess it was because of the times, but, like, you're starting Kurt Thomas, Marcus Camby, and Patrick Ewing, from what I remember, right? I don't think can be started. No, you had an LJ in there. You're right. I'm sorry. LJ's in there. And then who, like, where is Latrell Sprewell? Why is he coming off the bench? He's, I mean, you watch it over and over in this game. He's by far your best player. Well, he was kind of their microwave guy. I, I, they needed him. I, he's so much more than offense. a microwave guy. So I know, much but, the, more. but we look at that now. I think we look at that more now. I think back then, it's a, here's a guy who's kind of a tweener. Yeah, he can fill it up, but you're not going to take possessions away from you. He's the reason why they won that game. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, listen, he played 37 minutes and four or uh, 43 minutes rather. I mean, he he scored 14 points, had seven boards, three assists, six six of 16 shooting. That's a really good game, but that just wasn't the kind of style of basketball that they were going to play then. Because he even mentioned on the broadcast, like he's kind of a uh, what they say, fly by the pants kind of guy, right? Like he's a freelancer. I think that was the term they used. Mm And, you know, he didn't really he didn't really fit into a certain part of the game plan. When you're beginning a game, you know, you have your game plan. It's when your big guys come out, you're going to need one of those kind of guys who's like, oh, yeah, two on one, I'll just pull up and hit a mid-range jump shot like it's nothing. Mid-range was making me sick in this game, bro. Oh, dude. I mean, well, side of was, the times, right? That was 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, you had P.J. Brown who in, in – Today's NBA, he wouldn't have made it. I think he played. Uh, he won a title with the Boston Celtics in 08. He played like 20 years. He wouldn't have played a minute because he would have gotten his ass pulled if he kept pulling up for those mid-range shots. Oh, yeah. yeah well, because that's a completely antiquated style. I mean, back then, that was a high-efficiency shot. And that's what you wanted your guys to shoot. Um, but I want to get back. They didn't have math talk- back in the 90s, I guess. They didn't have math, but they also didn't have, you know, they didn't have the kind of guys, I don't even think, that they really wanted shooting those guys. Because we say, you know, if we put them into today's basketball, well, sure, you would have had them probably playing a certain way in college. You would have had them playing a certain way as soon as they got to the league and they would have identified as a certain kind of player. Back then it was, hey, you have size, post up, learn how to shoot the 16-footer, and you're good. Yeah, Dan Marley, by the way, is probably averaging, and now in today's NBA, like 16 a game, just off threes. Oh, no doubt, man. I mean, I'm watching this game. He only had three points. He made one three, but he took six. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you do that in today's game, I mean, he he's that perfect corner three guy. I just want to get back real fast, man, because you mentioned a point in the first quarter about how, you know, this was a game of runs, too. The Knicks close out the first quarter on a 15-2 run. You go into the second quarter, there's 8-20 remaining. Miami calls it a timeout. Knicks are up 5, 29-24. At this point, the Knicks are on an extended 21-3 run. Yeah. I mean, the Heat hadn't made a shot. They went nine minutes plus without a field goal going back to the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, that, and, and some of the reasons to that is, first of all, I mean um, – 
our guy, our guy Walton called it out. Jamal Mashburn was absolute garbage in the first half. Um, and that, and also Alonzo Mourning just trying to do a little too much, I think was the other thing. He was turning the ball over a lot, not passing out of the double and even triple team, just throwing up hook shots that weren't his game. I think two of those things are, are huge reasons why they lost. I agree with you, and we saw that a lot late, too, when we get to the fourth quarter. I mean, he was – he seemed like – well, I mean, obviously he had the Georgetown connection with Ewing, obviously 10 years removed. But I felt like he was just that trying-too-hard bro. Like, we're going to win because of me kind of thing. And he had so much bad blood stemming over from the 98 series that he was like, I don't – we're not losing and I'm going to do everything I have to, to let us win. But it was that irrational confidence, not the MJ confidence, you know? Yep. Yep. And I mean, you heard the announcer say it. He, he's shooting these herky jerky hook shots and that's just not his game. No, he was a face up shooter, face up shooter, slasher, cutter, um, set a screen and roll off and just dunk on you. He was not a, like, I'm going to post you up and I'm going to shoot like a perfectly, like fundamental hook shot on you no not at all i mean and and again like i just don't think he let the game come to him i think he tried to go out and get it and he just wasn't ready for it yet and he's, yep. he hadn't identified what style he should be playing here and as the knicks applied pressure and lj and, and ewing were playing him tight he was just getting more and more frustrated and we saw that escalate you know, as the game went on. I think LJ had 11 points, but he played a way bigger role in that, just d up morning and giving him a hard time. Yeah, he wasn't an instrumental scorer here. And at this point in his career, he really wasn't that. I mean, he was not a power guy anymore. He was much more of a finesse guy. He got a couple tough baskets down the stretch late, you know, in down against a couple big bodies. But overall, I mean, his job was to play really tough interior defense, and he even picked up the slack when Ewing had to come out of the game a couple times. Yeah, if we're talking about a game now and you just fast-forward with Morning and him, I think Morning torches him for, like, 30. We fast-forward that. Um, another thing, just watching 90s basketball that just – it was really hard to watch is the point guards – with the crab dribble post up at the three, like they start crab dribbling and posting up the guy guarding him, guarding you, like at the letters, like at the logo when they cross half court. I'm just like, oh my god, like run a fucking set or something. This is making me sick. You're wasting like eight seconds off of the shot clock for nothing. You know what makes me laugh, man? Because I couldn't agree with you more. I, everybody who's older than us, or and I even think some people in our generations, like even my my age, like people are like they hearken back to this wonderful style of basketball and how physical it was. It might have been physical, but goddamn, was it terrible? When you watch today's basketball and you watch so a team sloppy. like the Warriors, exactly, you watch a team like the Warriors, I'm like, this is how basketball was meant to be played. Yeah, and you I, watch absolutely. back then, and you're like, these teams are just having a slugfest because there's not enough people on the floor that can actually score. So they're trying to knock each other out. Yeah, and unless you're Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen or some of the great offensive players, you didn't see Michael Jordan fucking crab dribbling down like at, from the three point line. Like he he was executing like perfect plays. These some of these guys, it's just like even Tim Hardaway got into the habit of doing it. I'm like, "Bro, you can blow by anybody right now. Like I know you're running on fumes, but like do something." Well, here's the thing too, because I still think back then you had your outliers. 
But overall, the point guard's job was not to be a scorer. And they even talked about Allen Iverson a couple of times. I mean, you had your out. Like I said, you had your outliers. But overall, the point guard's job was not to score. It was to facilitate, drain the shot clock, and make sure you had a good set. I mean, I'm looking here. Terry Ward has finishes with four points, doesn't attempt a three. And then you got Chris Childs, who shoots only one of them and makes it. And I'm like, what would these guys be in today's NBA? They're at least both shooting at least probably six a game, right? Absolutely. I mean, like, uh, what's his name? Childs was in and out of the game because he had that contusion. And Ward was just a menace all over the court the entire game. So you can't say that he had a terrible game. It's just, again, that that was 1990s basketball, and it, it was fucking terrible. Unless you're watching the Bulls or the Showtime Lakers or the Celtics, or I guess like the epitome of 90s basketball at its peak being the Pistons, it's really not that great. Oh, I was going to say, well, the Suns were the real Fun team, difference yeah. there. Because they were scoring, like we talked about on Monday's pod, they were scoring 120 a game and not shooting threes. But their offense was so prolific that they could space the floor and do it that way. And obviously you had Charles Barkley, who's a top 50 player all time. These other teams, they were just tough as nails and because a lot of them just, they weren't all that talented. Yeah. So going into halftime, the Heat have, what, a two-point lead? I think it's Uh, 41-39? No, it's a tie tie game at 60. Oh, I'm sorry. At halftime, it's 60? Are we sure? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I looked at the third quarter here. You, you're right. It's 41-37, Miami. Okay. Um, yeah, following up that Hardaway, that Hardaway buzzer beater. Yeah, they finished on a 6-0 run. And then going into the third quarter, somebody comes alive that I think they would have won the game had Pat Riley not taken him out, and that's Jamal Mashburn. Banging threes, mm-hmm. slash into the basket, making plays, crossing people over. It's like, and this guy was one of the best players in college. Did we talk about one of his games in our Final Four flashback or whatever? We did when he was with Kentucky. I mean, he was going, you know, toe-to-toe with that uh, With Weber. Team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, this guy was super talented. Floor, most of those times. Yeah, and he showed why in some spurts in this game. I mean, he just exploded, and then he gets pulled out of the game. And then in the second half, you see them go away from Tim Hardaway Jr. picking – or senior, I'm sorry. Junior is not, not that good. Um, senior, <laughs> he's okay. But senior going away from the pick and roll, and he's out of the game forever. And apparently he was really tired. But the season's on the line. Like, I don't want to hear that shit. You know, it's one of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then you just see for long spurts, like – Alonzo Mourning making mistakes and a couple other guys on the team making silly turnovers and mistakes. Not to say that the Knicks didn't do the same thing because they went away from Spreewell. They couldn't get Houston. Again, this justifies my case of Houston being a giant waste of money. I know he hit the game winner at the end, but he did all but nothing in this game. Um, no, yeah, no, he, he, he was a non-factor in this game. And again, I think he's the kind of guy that if you put him in today's league, He's an elite, he's an elite player. He just he he wasn't shooting enough threes back then, and he wasn't physical or talented enough inside to make you yeah. know the Latrell Sprewell mid range shot. I don't know if he's way. an elite player, but I definitely see him as like a decent three and D guy. I don't know if he's explosive enough of a player to be elite in this league. How athletic it is, but I mean the guy can fucking shoot the lights out. 
Yeah, I think he was underrated athletically. We just never really got to see it because that's not how the game was played. I think he could have handled the ball a little bit, and obviously he'd be a guy who could knock down your, your outside shot pretty regularly. I think he could also be a nice face-up guy or maybe a low-post guy on a, on a mismatch. Yeah. But back then, I mean, he just didn't have a place. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks tried to make him something he wasn't a lot of the time, and I think that was part of the problem. I mean, he wasn't a ball handler, you know? No. Um, he was a guy, he, he would make a quick cut or a one decision, two dribbles to the paint, or he would pull up for three. Um, you saw that, you saw flashes of it, but they should have been, I mean, they almost lost this game because they should have been running the ball through Spreewell even more than they were. Yeah, I mean, that's how we look at it, right? I'm sure Van Gundy was probably like, hey, this is what we need him to be. And on this team, we saw when they went small, that's when they were at their best in this game. It yeah, I mean, when Ewing hurt his rib, that's – that's and, and Camby, who's flying around the floor, a young Marcus Camby, not much of an offensive player, but a great defensive player, great offensive rebounder, that is when they were at their best. Yeah, well, because they could spread Miami out a little bit. Because LJ, you have... still got to respect the shot. He can still knock one down. Exactly. Especially and, in that know, era where, I mean, if you're a, you're a 28% three-point shooter, you're fucking Steph Curry. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, but that wasn't even really his role much on this team because of how physical Miami was. It was, you know, you need him down low to play along Ewing. Like, he cannot, he cannot be a guy who, I wonder, where do you think he is in today's game? Like, what kind of role is he? Is he a guy that could, is he a three? Is he a four? LJ's is he a, a four. four who could play a three? LJ's, LJ's actually, like, honestly, LJ is the apex PJ Tucker. Like, he's the greatest thing PJ Tucker would ever be. Okay, because I remember him in his UNLV days when we were watching some of those games. And he can handle the ball just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. In the uh, open floor. And that's what I'm saying is, like, if he was in today's game, I'm sure he'd be dribbling a lot more in those AAU well, that's what I'm saying, like high school and to college. That's why I'm saying he's a he's apex P.J. Tucker because he could knock down a corner three. He can guard your center, but he's also the size of a, a three. But he's mm-hmm. bulkier. I mean, I'm sure he'd be a little bit more slimmed down in today's league as well. But also, he'd also be – sorry, my alarm just went off there. I don't know why. Jesus Christ, folks, that's on, good radio. Man. My bad, my bad. That's um, rough. That's rough. Yeah, I set an alarm for 9.30. I meant to do it for tomorrow morning, not for uh, not for tonight. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> You're thinking ahead of tomorrow already, man. We got a great game five here we're talking about. Yeah, but that's why I say he's, he's apex P.J. Tucker because people are like, wow, he'd be a lot better if he could handle the ball, and that's what Larry Johnson was. Yeah, no, you're right. It's just so interesting to talk about these guys. And I don't like I don't mean to be that millennial that's talking about it, but there are just too many players in this game in this series and over this four year rivalry where I'm like, God, what could they be in today's game? I felt like some of them didn't have the careers they ultimately could have had, even if they were good, because they just didn't have a place. I mean, what would Spreewell be? I mean, you talk about what's, how Spreewell was in this game. Again, 14 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, shot 6 of 16, didn't attempt a 3, I believe. What do you think he is in today's game? I mean, he's he could wreak havoc. Yeah, he absolutely could. I mean, I don't know. He was kind of a head case. Well, you not, got away you know, with that. the court away. You, you got, got away with that a lot more in the 90s and early 2000s than you do now. 
Um, but on the court, yeah, I think he could definitely be, you know, a multi-time All-Star three. Yeah, oh, I, I think so. And I'm sure, obviously, he would have expanded on his outside game. But yeah. let's get back to the third quarter here. So you talked about the Mashburn threes. They both both shots forced the Knicks to call timeouts. The, the Not only the threes, but he's going to the basket. He's creating place for other guys. He, for for a good three to four minute stretch there, he kind of took the game over. Yeah, and he you know he had really good years there in in Charlotte with the Hornets, and you know like you were mentioning, I mean he was a non factor most of this game. He was a non factor in the series. I mean Walton was just killing him. Well, I, I want to talk about Walton after this game. I, the, thing that, co- the thing he had that a really people that were in his shit, you know, in his uh, well, I love I love it because color guys never really go after players now. But I, the only thing that he just gets egg on his face because every time he says something, like that player will make a positive impact on the game. Like <laughs> he'll be so like, funny. he'll be like, I think he said like Kurt Thomas, who's done nothing today, and then Kurt Thomas like rips down an offensive rebound or or grabs a steal or something like that, and then scored his only two points on the other end. Or, yeah, had a block in there too. Yeah, and that or he'll be like. Jamal Mashburn does absolutely nothing, and then he'll bang two threes and really go off for like a good three minutes there. <laughs> he was talking about how he would give Mashburn any shot he wanted because he he couldn't show that he could make them, and he made both of those threes that forced Van Gundy to call timeouts in the third. And you just see Van Gundy like putting his hand up to his face, and Walton's just like eating it. It was great, but yeah. So and the announcer, the announcer wasn't great either. Like. Dan Marley hit that three, and then he's like, same spot. Meanwhile, like, that was a straightaway yeah, three. Corner, the second time. <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. I was like, bro, like, are you guys fucking, like, drinking during this game or something? I like, are you guys high? Him, I liked when he called Marley's only three a dagger that I believe put them up four. And With six like, minutes left. <laughs> that was back when they didn't have the score, like, during the, like, I, for some reason in the 90s, they didn't figure out that fans would want to see the score the entire fucking game. And you had to wait for it to pop up. And he said dagger. And I, like, for for a split second, forgot that the Knicks won this game. And I was like, wait, how much time is left? And then it comes <laughs> up, and there's, like, six minutes and 40 seconds left. I'm like, uh, how is that a dagger? Just because he hit dude, it at the it end was, of the shot clock? It's it's rough. And, like, again, like I, I'm sure you were doing the same. I pulled this on YouTube on NBA Hardwood Classics. So that was the one I watched. Which was like I pulled whatever you did, because you sent it to me. Yeah, it was like an hour and 20 long. I was taking notes, and I had to keep pausing it, but I had to pause it and then rewind it so I could get for like the one second they showed the score and the time. I was like, God damn it. See, me, Um, I was lazy, and I was just like, I'll just wait till the next time, but then it's like 20 minutes later was the next time that they showed the score. It easily took me 45 minutes longer to watch this game. Yeah, than what the broadcast was, but that's okay. We'll we'll deal with it. And in quarantine, we have nothing else to do. Um, both those threes that Mashburn hit caused Van Gundy to call timeouts. We talked about that. End of the third quarter, the game's tied at sixty. Ewing sits the final four minutes and forty seconds of the quarter with uh, his right side injury. He was also battling these those uh, the Achilles tendonitis, which I just got to tell you is I can't even imagine playing with that. Like we saw what happened with Durant last year. I know that was ruled a calf injury and it wasn't tendonitis, but that's such a delicate part of the body. Like we mentioned earlier, yeah, in just the went on series, him. I believe it just ruptured. You can't, and like, I understand 
the whole Nick fan and, you know, people shitting on him. We've seen Charles Oakley go off on him. We've seen a bunch of people go off on him. I'm not a Nick fan. I try to be as historical and accurate as I possibly can. I'm watching this game. And he, remember, this is in the way twilight of his career. They were talking about how this might be the last game he plays as a Nick. And I'm thinking, like, this guy is just fucking gutting it out. And as we get to the fourth and talk about that, he just laid it all out on the line and still found a way to have such a huge impact on this game. I was, I'm yeah. like, I don't know how you can't love this guy. I understand that he came up short in a lot of big moments, but seeing him be barely being able to walk and going out there and dealing with not just any team, Alonzo Morning, who's a beast and yeah, way younger and his prime. than him, and exactly MVP and, and, and type those teams. And you knew Riley was just saying, "Fucking hit him every chance you get." I got to yep. give the guy a lot of props there. No, you have to. And I think as a Knicks fan, sometimes you got to separate. Because first of all, I mean, it, it's the same thing as Barkley. Like, unfortunately, you were born at this around the same time as Michael Jordan. Right. You know? And, and I think Elijah Wan has more rings. I think Barkley has at least one. And I think maybe even Patrick Barkley Ewing doesn't in the have one. No, I'm Barkley saying. I know Barkley yeah. doesn't have one. I'm saying if... MJ's not playing. I think Olajuwon has a few more. I think Barkley has at least one, and I think maybe even Ewing has one if MJ's oh, yeah. non-existent or decides to play baseball or some shit like that, you know? Yeah. And, and for tough. me, it is tough because it's like in this game, I, I'm going to go back to it, the little bunny that he did the shoulder shimmy, dream shake, I guess you want to call it. Uh, he does it probably the second best from Hakeem. Um, gets himself wide open for a bunny jump shot that's like a, literally a four-footer, and he's short on it. Mm-hmm. Almost loses us the game, and it's just like if I, I was tr- I tried to put myself in a live situation. If I was older and I saw that as a as a Knicks fan currently now, not in 1999 when I was fucking four years old, but if I was like 16, I would have turned the game off and been like Barkley, uh, not Barkley, fucking Ewing again. He cost us mm-hmm. the game again. And I get it. He gutted it out. And I also have to say this. I think that if somehow he got over the top in the 90s, he's retired by 99. For sure. I think he was definitely gutting it out for a ring from 99 all through when he played on the Magic and the Sonics. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, unless, I mean, remember salaries what weren't what they are now. So he might have wanted to make a little bit more money or keep going maybe for a second but, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the probability is a lot lower. I mean, let's think about this. He played 40 minutes in this game. He had 22 points and 11 boards, 4 or 5 from free throw line, 9 of 19 from the field. It's a very solid game Absolutely. Uh, for a guy that wasn't really – really shouldn't have been on the court for some of this game because of how bad he was hurting. No, but that's just how terrible the other Knicks big men were. I mean, I know I said Camby was running around like a madman, but, I mean – Walton wasn't wrong about Kurt Thomas. The guy was a ghost. Oh, God. You no. needed Ewing in this game. Kurt Thomas played 15 minutes, had two points, one block, and one rebound. I mean, again, the only thing he did right was respond for about 40 seconds when Wilton, when Walton was shitting on him. That was yeah. it. I mean, Walton was right. It's just funny how immediately they make him, them make him look wrong when he's making his point. Yeah. But, yeah, so you go towards the end of the game. Tim Hardaway is nowhere to be found. Morning is doing his, I guess he's doing his Kareem Abdul-Jabbar impression and not doing a very good job of it. 
No. Um, trying to take over. And then the rest of the cast, I mean, who's the guy? What's the guy's name that played for the Nuggets? They said he had a rod in his foot. God damn. Oh, were you talking about uh, Terry Porter? No, not Terry Porter. Although Sean Leonard? Sean Leonard, great three-point shooter. Another guy who probably would have been a really like a really good player in now's game, and he was a good player back then. He had a couple big-time plays defensively. I think he hit a three. Porter obviously had those big free throws, but the Heat really had nothing down the stretch. No, they didn't, and you, they were Neither trying. Neither did the Knicks, honestly. It, it was a terrible game. It was a really... There was no float at this game at all. No. Absolutely none. I mean, even and the refs go. and it's not like it was because the refs like had a quick whistle. They swallowed the whistle and let them play. They just couldn't fucking put the ball in the basket. Either team. I will I will tell you this. Chris Childs hits a 3 to give the Knicks a 72-71 lead with 4 minutes remaining. That was the Knicks' first lead since 38-37 late in the second. I'm watching that shot go down. I'm like Yes, here come the Knicks. Like, now we're going to have some flow to this game. We're going to have a little bit of a back and forth for the last four minutes. There's going to be the best player making a shot down, you know, on each side of the floor. Instead, there were like nine fouls from there on down. Yeah, I mean, there was some. A lot of free throw shooting down the stretch. In this and game. a lot of missed free throws. Brutal. Brutal. Especially on the Heat side. Oh, man. It was awful. I mean... It was awful. Throughout the entire game, it wasn't just in the fourth quarter where they got ice. It, it was the entire game. They, they cost themselves so many points. And, I mean, this team, I don't know how talented it was. I They were the number one seed because the Knicks were the number eight, clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is a good coaching job by Pat Riley. No, I don't either. And I remember, the Knicks have beat him the, uh, Knicks have beat him the year before, too. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, they should have had the blueprint ready, especially this year, I mean, in the lockout season, being the number one seed. I mean, they were going to close out that arena before moving into the one they're currently playing. And that the crowd was alive. They had those stupid cowbells that they were fucking going on with. Yeah, and you um, saw the theme. He put the picture of the ring in the locker. Like, how did that go for you? Yeah, not all that well. Not all that well. And obviously the bad blood. We didn't talk about it earlier because it's. I think it's just common sense of, you know, that awful breakup between Riley and the Knicks via facts. You go out, you went into that when we talked about our, our Knicks and Nets suffering. But here we go down the stretch, my man. He called timeout with two minutes remaining after Larry Johnson makes one of those tough contested baskets. Knicks are up 74-73. Heat led by one with the ball with 55 seconds left. You've mentioned Porter making both those free throws, so now they're up three. Ewing finds himself being able to get a tough offensive rebound with 39 seconds left, makes both free throws. Knicks trail by one. Yep. Let's fast forward here. When that ball goes out of bounds on the Knicks' last possession, which before they set up the inbound, which got the ball to Houston, how lucky were they to get that ball back? It looked like it was heat ball all the way. Right? Totally. Absolutely. And again, I'm looking at this as a Knicks fan – and I'm just like, holy fuck! If I was, if I was a little bit older during this game, I would have made whoever was with me get the fuck out of the room, and I would have been like, I, I might have to listen to this on the radio. I don't even know if I can watch it. <laughs> Dude, your heart must have skipped a beat. I mean, I was like, I just kept no saying, way. like, you know, they won, and this game's over twenty years old, right? Like, 
they did win the this moment, game. Yeah, but in the moment you're watching it, I don't know if it's because we're so starved for sports, but I'm watching it and I'm like, this is fucking intense. Like on the road, like two coaches that hate each other, two teams that hate each other. And I'm like, God, were they so lucky to get the ball back? And then they throw the inbounds pass. And Allen Houston makes one of the most incredible series clinching shots of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he got three rolls on that shot, but hey, it went down. I guess you can justify the paycheck that they gave him for, for that one shot. Would have been nice to get a championship. But hey, they won the game, right? Yeah, there you go. And I mean, this rivalry was awesome. The well, only morning ends up getting his his due. He did win a title with the Heat when Shaq was on the team and D Wade, and they beat the Mavericks, and he ended up getting into the Hall of Fame. So there you go. Yep, there you go. The, the only thing I was upset about was after Houston made that shot and it kind of did its best Kawhi imitation, except it took a little higher bounce. Was that he didn't reference uh, Jimi Hendrix lyrics for the uh, eighth time in that game? Oh, you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he, he said he was. Uh, yeah, he said he was working out with um, what's his face, the wrestler slash governor slash Navy SEAL Jesse Ventura. Yeah, which by the way, Loki, one of the best promos that they were gonna have the Jesse Ventura story following tonight's game. Yeah, right. That was that was hilarious, and then he made a joke making fun of his guy saying that he lifted all the weights and whatnot. Like, I, I do love Bill Walton. It's just like you should. You this is a playoff game, bro. This isn't a fucking like a preseason game. I love him when he's not announcing my team's game. Yeah, absolutely. That's when you can I'm just relax him. and just enjoy him. So yeah. the other question I had, because everything seems to have gone the way it should have for pretty much everybody's career. Tim Hardaway Jr., the other guy senior. from Run TMC, whatever, senior, sorry. I'm, I got you the name right. Junior because he's had two Knicks stints. Yeah, Both yep. of them not resulting in a whole lot. No. The other guy from Run T- obviously Chris Mullen, St. John's Pride, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. All-time great, probably top 100 player. Oh, yeah. Mitch Richmond, probably the worst Hall of Famer ever. He's up there. I mean, you have to scour through the NBA Hall of Fame. There's a lot of bad ones, but he's up there as far as... I mean, if you if you ask the casual basketball fan who he is, nobody would know. And no. then you tell him you're in the Hall of Fame. Like, what? I mean, I, I looked him up. He made like five all-star teams in the 90s. Decent career. Four all-star teams for Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, All-NBA one year or two years. Also won an Olympic gold medal in 2000. Um, with that Sydney team, the team there where uh, Vince Carter jumped over Frederick Weiss. I don't know if you remember that. Um, oh, I remember. One of the best dunks of all time, man. Come the on. best dunk of all time, and it will never be topped. The best in-game dunk. Um, okay, in-game dunk. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Your boy is, Starks might wanted to say something about that from the doc the other night. Nah. He didn't jump over a seven foot two human being. <laughs> I know the moment was a lot bigger because we knew that USA was going to win in the Olympics, but yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, he jumped over a seven. He jumped, cleared a seven, cleared him. He cleared him. Dude, he had like his nuts in his face. Yeah, yeah. and then his dragged his nuts across his forehead. Um, <laughs> is Tim Hardaway Jr. Senior? Whatever, senior. <laughs> Dude, just get it right. It was I'm Tim Hardaway Sr., uh, a Hall of Famer, given who's already in there. I think if he wins this series, it might get him in. 
Oh, man. I think it's, it's that, that close, cr- dude. It's bad that our criteria is if you won a first-round series. Um, I don't know. I think if Richmond's in, he deserves to be in. Did he have a sustained enough career like of excellence? What did though? Richmond have? I, listen, I'm with you. I'm not even saying Richmond should be in. It's tough. I don't. But the bottom line is the the criteria is so diluted. I just think he deserves to be in. I mean, I guess. I mean, if we're gonna open Pandora's box, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I. You say he? Can you tell the story? I mean, you could tell the story of this Heat game really without talking about him, aside from just that shot he hit at the end of the second quarter. Very true. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about what he could have been in today's game. But he didn't play in today's game. I mean, that Heat team never went all that far. You know, what was the furthest they went? They lost in the Eastern, the Eastern Conference Final to Chicago in 97. Yep. That was the farthest they went. Yep. Yeah, no, I, maybe he shouldn't be. I don't know. I just think given the people that are in there, I think he deserves a little love. That's fair. I mean, again, like... Are we saying you're going to get in because someone else got in? I still think we have to grade each player on an individual basis. I don't think he had a Hall of Fame career. And if people deem that Mitch Richmond did, okay, good for them. But I don't think we should then just start allowing, you know, the floodgates of every average to slightly above average player to get in. Fair enough. So next game we're doing, are we going to do your Nets in a a game? I don't think so. Nice. Thank God. I, I don't think so. You know, what got me into the spirit of this was this would have been around the time the first round would be ending, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we'd be starting the second. So, I mean, especially now with everything being a best of seven and they drag that first round out. It's like two and a half, three weeks. I, hate I was it. like, what's one of the best first round clinching games? And if you have a shot to go down with 0.8, just given the gravity of an eight beating a one, which at the time of this game would only been done. This was only the second time. I think it's only happened one other time since then, which was the Warriors over yep. the Mavericks. It's only three times total. Yeah. So there you go. And you then, got the, the Nuggets beat the Sonics. The Knicks beat the Heat and the. What was it? The Warriors, the We Believe Warriors beat the Mavs. Yeah, and just the, the bitter rivalry this team these teams had. Because, again, we went over the 97 and 98 situations. They didn't meet again in 2000. Like, that's four straight years, and you had the brawls in between, and you had the Riley Van Gundy hatred. and you, I mean, it was just so good, tense. Good many rivalries. For a series to win end like this is just... That's awesome. So Good mini rivalry. Game. I call it a mini rivalry because, I mean, I know the Knicks went to the finals this year, but none of the team, none of none of these series amounted in a championship at the end. Yeah, that's true. I, I think mini, I think mini rivalry is fair. Uh, I think amongst the fan base, it's real, but overall, you're right. I mean, it never escalated to like, you know, an Eastern Conference championship or a finals. So, well, yeah, Eastern Conference championship, yes. The Knicks went to the finals this year. Show a little respect. <laughs> no, I talked about you know them playing against each other. Oh yeah, the right to go to the final. Um, yeah, you're you know, right you about have, that. Like a Yankee Red Sox, three ALCSs in five years. You know. Yeah, I I mean, and you know, as the rivalry was fun then, but there's no rivalry between the Heat and the Knicks now. There's no rivalry between the Knicks and anyone. I was just gonna say the rivalry yeah. between the Knicks. The biggest rivalry is Dolan and the fans. That's a really good point. And that's that's sad. I will tell you that there might be one Nets game that I'll pluck down the line uh, 
in 2 against the Celtics. There uh-huh. was a couple really good games in that series, but okay. we won't be doing that. We won't be doing that soon. Um, no, I thought this was a great game to pick from. So, anything else you want to take from this before we talk a little bit about the world around that day in '99? No, why don't you give us some about the world around that day, and then we'll talk about the world currently. Awesome, sounds good to me. Um, and I want to get your your take on some of these. I know you were only four, but. You've got a uh, you've got some historical references up your sleeve. So, Tom, I will give you five dollars, <laughs> five full dollars. My Venmo's always open. The, the number one song on uh, the sixteenth of May of nineteen ninety nine. Jesus. I'm, I'm going to give myself like a few seconds because I don't want to make for bad radio. I'll ask you a few questions. Um, was it something by the new kids on the block? It was not. Backstreet Boys? No, too early? No, close though because they released an album two days later. It was their third and it killed it on the billboards for the rest of the year. Okay, not one of their songs. so I'm, I'm warm. But I give you respect, well done. Another boy band? Not a boy band, pop band, pop artist. Um, one I solo think, artist. One solo artist. Okay. He killed it that year. He had a huge album that was finished in the top ten on the Billboard top uh, albums of the of the uh, year. Great all time artist or one hit wonder. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I can't say all time great. I don't know if it's one hit wonder, but I mean, you'll hear it and be like, "Oh yeah, that was a thing." Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I, I give up. Catchy ass song, "Living La Vida Loca" by Ricky Martin. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. Thank God I gave up, dude. Um, yeah, he's got a few bangers out. I'd love to keep my five bucks. Yes, you do. Was that was he married to J Lo, former J Lo husband? Uh, was it? No, I don't think it was him. I don't know. I don't think it was him. Might have been. I don't think it was him. By the way, you have to a- Google it while I give you a couple other Speaking things. of A-Rod and J-Lo, they're out on the Mets. Yeah. I don't I didn't see how they were going to be able to come up with that kind of money. Even for the Mets, that's an expensive deal. Yeah, I mean, they could have done like Jeter doesn't have Marlins money. I don't know if he has that many friends. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it's gotten uh, past like the A-Rod like what's the word uh like Tour and now it's just like the like the fake smile and then when you he's walking away it's like fuck that guy. Well, they have. Um, it's at the point of that now. He bought Presidente beer. Oh. So he's got that now. So like he's, I mean, he's a tycoon right now. Business. Just Presidente beer. Good time to buy something. Um, like, is that a Mexican beer? Yeah. Good time to buy a Mexican Dominican. beer. Think Dominican. It's a good time to buy a South American, American beer, beer. <laughs> that is um, that is not Corona. I Agreed. think any of these guys could take off because there's people that are dumb enough to associate it with it. You know, Modelo stocks got to be rising. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, couple TV ones here for you. She was married to Mark Anthony, by the way. I always That's get those right. two confused. Mark Anthony, yes. Very quick marriage. It says they were married 2004. Oh no, I, I'm wrong. I misread. They were, they were, they they lasted 10 years. So actually, a pretty long marriage given no, no, Hollywood terms. 
Hey, you yeah. lost a decade. That's fine. Well, she was married. Jesus Christ Almighty. Mark Anthony, one, two, three, four marriages. Hmm. Strong. Wow. Good for him. All right. Hey. Well, one, why not? two, three, four marriages for J Lo. Who are the other three? Um, OJ, ANI, No AA. Sure. Didn't last very long. A year. Chris Judd. Let me see what Chris Judd did. Uh, Chris Judd, a uh, dancer. She married a dancer. This was back when I guess you didn't care about the social status of your spouse, even if they were a D-list celebrity. Probably a backup dancer for her. No disrespect. We're probably about the same celebrity level at this point. Mark Anthony and A-Rod. All right. No marriage to Ben Affleck. What? That wedding hasn't happened yet, the A-Rod one. Yeah, it did. Just engaged. Oh, engaged. You're right. Uh, you should know this as a Yankee guy. And plus, we're probably going to get the you invite to the wedding. You should know this as a pop culture guy. Don't give me that shit. I thought they had one of those secret, discreet weddings and it was over with. No. Okay. There would I'm... be nothing discreet about that. You're right. I'm surprised they haven't gotten married, but maybe they Corona the pushed it back. when he proposed to her on the beach. You're right. Maybe Corona pushed it back. Probably. All right. Two TV things for you here. The Sopranos had just finished their first season. Mm-hmm. All-timer. Really launched HBO, that and Oz. Yep. And here's another one for you. Something you might not think about all that much because it's been going on forever. Family Guy was concluding season one. Mm-hmm. Was that always a Fox product? Yeah, it was. I'm sure they, they wouldn't have let that go once they had it. No. No, 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 no. What was the number all- one... What was the number one uh, TV show on, on network television? Was it Friends or was it Seinfeld? What? Uh, I didn't see the number one show for the year. I know Friends was huge. Um, the Sopranos obviously just put TV into a whole new stratosphere. That yeah, but year. that's not network. That's Exactly. Pay-per-view. That's HBO. Um, one interesting thing I saw here was um, Monica Lewinsky the night before this game. So this game was played on a Sunday. Mm. So... Monica Lewinsky appeared as herself the night uh, the night before on SNL <laughs> and had a skit um, featuring uh, a you know parody of the uh, Bill Clinton thing. So President that's something I don't Bill know Clinton. gets done now, but that's pretty great. Um, let's see what else. The number one has album. Stormy Daniels done SNL. Stormy Daniels, I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Tweet at us, let us know. Um, Number one album of that during that week. Tom, I gotta be honest. If you know this, please feel free to chime in. Rough Riders, Ride or Die, Volume One, was the number one album during the week of May 16th. Rough Riders, like yeah. stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop. R u f f r y d e r s, and it was Ride or Die. Volume One, R Y D E. Then okay. Backstreet Boys debuted their uh, third studio album two days later. Uh, okay, which killed it. Um, the number one movie the time of this game was The Mummy. Came out. It was okay. the second week in the box office. It hit twenty, uh, just over, just under twenty six million in the second week as number one. Well, that was when jo- what's her name? Uh, is it? And Angelina Jolie? 
Is she in that movie? The or Mummy. Is she the Tomb Raider ones. Um, she was in the Tomb Raider ones. I don't know if she was in the Mummy. She might have been. I'm looking it up now. I, we need to know these things. I'm just getting the facts for you here. I didn't know about the if we were going to do deep dives. I think I've only seen Brandon Frazier. Yeah, back when he was a big deal. He was in a lot of movies. All-timer for guy that women think is good-looking but is actually ugly. You think so, huh? <clears throat> I'm looking at a picture of him now. The eye separation is just not there for me. They're too far apart. He was in a lot of movies during that time. I was wrong. Jolie was not in it. But she was an all-time smoke back in the day. Yeah, she was in the Tomb Raider movies. Yeah, I'm getting those confused. That's all right. That's fair. I mean, I, I, neither of us would claim to be professionals on that genre or whatever. But The Mummy was huge. I remember that movie. I was young, but I remember that being a big deal. A um, couple sports ones for you here. Um, Jose Maria Olazabel won the 1999 Masters. Mm. Jeff Gordon won the Daytona 500. Okay. The Broncos had beaten the Falcons in the Super Bowl that January. Favors. It was Elway's second. And then, was that uh, the year of the Dirty Bird? That was the year of the <laughs> Dirty Bird. Good job by you, sir. And Thank then, you. Uh, he retired after that. The Yankees went on to win their second world championship in a row mm-hmm. later that fall. Their second in three years. Obviously, they'd win again in 2000. And that's what I've got for you. Who won the finals in 99? The NBA finals? Yes. That was the San Antonio Spurs beating yes. the New York Knicks. Yes, yes, Avery yes. Avery Johnson with the big shot. Mm-hmm. I remember it now. It's coming back. It's David mm-hmm. Robinson's only ring, right? Uh, correct. Yes. The Admiral. Oh, no. You know what? He was actually on the 03 team. Was but he? But he hardly played. Well, yeah. yeah he was done by I then. I watched that. I, I, the only reason I remember that was because they were the Nets played them in that series, and he was getting some minutes off the bench. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, but that was when Duncan was at his peak. But don't worry about that. Enjoy this game. This was a moment <laughs> of glory for your Knicks 21 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it when I was four. <laughs> well, you got to enjoy it now. So um, anything else for you, man? I want to know, did you get any pushback or get any comments about your possible revisions to your child labor laws conversation from Monday? Maybe, um, maybe I'm looking, you know, I mean, my cousin's, my two cousins are my only lens into 14-year-old and 11-year-old life. I'm not going to go looking for an 11-year-old or a 14-year-old friend. Um, <laughs> Probably for the best. See, I did some soul searching. I also talked to another uncle of mine. Maybe they're just soft. Oh. But I'm start- But you know what? My mom's also a teacher, and I hear what's going on. I don't really want to you know, blow the whistle on my mom here. But from what I hear from her story, she didn't say this. But I'm saying these kids are fucking soft these days. Okay, but you're... Again, so you're not thinking that possibly you need to rethink this. You just think everyone that pushes back so far on you is wrong. I, I'm I'm pushing back on myself a little bit, but okay. I, I still think that that generally nowadays kids are much much softer. And what I mean, if the, we made glued to the phones? Ahead. They don't have a social like any like social abilities anymore, and it's just like. Like, if you put me right now as an 11-year-old in this in this world, I'm fucking running circles around these kids street smart-wise. I'll tell you that. I mean, I was back in the day. Like, I mean, at 11 years old, I was going to the dollar store buying fake Yu-Gi-Oh cards and flipping them on my friends as if they were real. <laughs> I mean, I was fucking killing it. But 
I mean, nowadays. I don't know if that, I don't really know if that instills any better kind of confidence I have. What if we made the laws 14? What if you had a, what if you could start 14? I thought that was a law. That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> huh. No, no, I think it should be younger than that. I'm sticking with 10, double digits. Oh, man. I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying that, you know, it should be out there. What would make you happy statistically if you have, if, if your law is revised tomorrow? To 10? And every 10-year-old could work, and we're in a post-quarantine. Yeah, let's pretend Corona economy. never happened, you know, what, or, or we're good. The vaccine's ready. What is the ready. percentage of working 10-year-olds that are on a payroll that would make you happy? I mean, if you show me 1%, we're talking progress here. <laughs> 1%, we are absolutely talking progress. And I think 1% would be about right. Well. And you know, yeah, who holds all, you know who holds all the money in the world? The 1%, my friend. Wow. There you go. Yeah, so. Right, they're fake Yu-Gi-Oh cards and hustling everyone else. Yeah. So I got another idea. Okay, hit me. This is This is money, bro. This is money. Now, just so you know, the players are playing when it comes to the video game thing. That idea is that one's a moneymaker. They had that whole MLB The Show tournament. Blake Snell won it. That made the most sense. So I got this one. So this one I was kind of inspired by Billions, and I also saw it on an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Guilty pleasure of mine. I'll pop on that show every <laughs> once in a while. So they have these things i'm sure you've heard of them like you know how they have the rooms where you can get lost with your friends and like build fucking camaraderie or whatever you're trying escape rooms and stuff like that yeah like uh, play a pickup basketball game if you ask me i don't need to go to a fucking room and get locked with my friends in a dark room you know what i mean some of them aren't even friends yeah sometimes you have to go with coworkers or whatever like that's brutal um but they have these other things called like I don't even know what they're called, like demolition rooms where you can just go in with like a bunch of weapons, like a bat and a sledgehammer and whatever, and just break everything. Yeah, you just go ham. Now listen to this. I'm thinking you take the demoli- the, the the fun business, which is bullshit. We're breaking things that are in perfect shape. These should be in thrift shops, whatever. But that's neither here nor there. Like that's just sickening to my take on sustainability as a guy who's big into vintage and, and reselling, you know, clothes and whatnot. But that's neither here nor there. I'm thinking we take that that new niche thing and you combine it with actual demolition, okay? So I'm giving, let's say, I, these discount rooms can't come cheap. They're probably like, you know, 60 to 90 bucks for a session, right? Uh, something like that. And then you're thinking about it like, oh, you're you're a contractor and you need to hire a demolition team to to destroy a bathroom, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, if if I get your contract, I'm saying to the demolition guy, hey, like, you know, let's say the bid on your job was two thousand dollars. I'll do it for I'll do it for fifteen hundred, but then I'll also get my people to sign a waiver. And I'll get them to come in and take all their anger out on this shit, except they only have to pay 30 bucks instead of instead of the 60. And you can fucking destroy that bathroom, get all your anger out with your baseball bats and your sledgehammers and this, that, and the third. And I'm getting that room demoed. So you're killing two birds with one stone here. Two birds with one stone, and I'm also I'm also saving both sides money, which is how businesses are started, my friend. 
This is a this is a big brain move from your boy, the CEO. I think yeah, I'm on to something. Yeah, this is a so obviously this would help a lot of things mentally, you know, for people who have a lot of pent up anger. Yeah, I mean, these, money off of that. at the end of the day, these fucking stupid destroy rooms exist. Go hit a punching bag, like fuck. But you know what? These things exist. They are out and about in the world. I'm sure if I go to the mall in fucking down here in like fucking Westchester or some ritzy mall, they're going to have one of those stupid ass rooms and you're going to see fucking women in their Louboutins with their Louis V bags walking in, destroying a bunch of shit, dropping mad money on it and then walking Very out. Place. But it but it's it was on the fucking Kardashians. That's like getting on Oprah's book list, bro. Well, listen, man, I'm not saying I totally disagree with you. I see your premise, and I actually, to be fair, I don't know if it's just because a lot of your other ideas have been so awful, but I actually kind of like this one. No, this this one's in the money. I think that this could be... Hey, listen, you've you've discussed it economically. I think both sides could be happy with this arrangement. And... um, The only thing I haven't worked out yet is cleanup, because... If you're going in there to destroy shit and you're paying, like I, I don't, I think 99% of the people aren't going to clean up. No, that'll have to be a clause. Maybe you know, you figure that out down the road, or maybe I hire a cheap cleanup crew or I do it myself. I don't know. And maybe community service people come in and take care. I of love it. that. There's Thank your, you. There's your third. There's your third avenue of 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 you know stabilizing this. Thing. And that's a write-off, baby. We're making even more money. Love it. Love it. Okay. So how are you feeling, man? How are you feeling about the world? I'm officially on board with that plan. Love it. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I feel about the same. I don't know. I mean... How do you feel about about society in general? We're only an hour and seven in. I feel like we can talk about the world a little bit. Oh, I didn't know we even had a time limit. I I think we're good to go. Um, Oh, society always finds a way to perplex me uh, and try to figure out everybody's objectives i suppose um god i don't know it changes every minute of every day like i i, I get optimistic that we're that we're trending in the right direction and that social distancing is working and that we're you know coming together and then i and then you go and look one, at the fucking new york times and, then, and there's people and in I the parks laying around talk and it's like you know again like we kind of touched on this monday but it was like you know mike pence not wearing a mask like in a big social gathering, like what kind of example does that set to people? And so many people take that. And, you know, again, it's like what you mentioned, right? Like people see headlines and they don't actually want to do the research. They don't actually want to look things up and they don't want to, they just want to form opinions. That's like the hot thing to do and has been. Well, they want somebody to form their opinion for them and then they're going to make it their own. Okay. Yeah. You could do that too. I mean, I was going to say you could even just see an article and be like, Nope, there's my opinion. I interpreted it and I'm in. And yeah, exactly. Like, That's what I'm saying. Right, like they, right. somebody else does the work for them, whether it's true or not, and then they're just gonna go with it and say it's theirs. Yeah. So I don't know. That kind of bothers me. On the sports thing, I'm increasingly optimistic that we're gonna have every league, and we'll talk about this on a future pod. But the NFL schedule got released tonight, and I think that again, the NFL is not gonna give any shits. They're gonna go ahead and they're gonna do what they want to do because they've done it already. They're the only sport that real team sport that's plowed forward and was like oh free agency is a bad look because people are dying in the streets and carnage and whatever Eh, it was a great distraction for a week and a half 
oh, you can't do the draft. It's going to look awful optimistic, you know, from an optic standpoint. Ah, they did that, got the highest ratings of all time, and filled more content. Now they did this. So I think that we're pretty much established. The NFL is going to do their thing. I It sounds like baseball is putting in a, a, a plan, quote-unquote, to present to the players. They said they'd be ready the by next, next couple week. Days. So that's exciting. Um, I mean, I'm optimistic from that standpoint. Uh, I just... I don't know, man. How do you feel? Like, I, it just changes every day. Like, I think we're doing the right <sighs> thing, but then you see a lot of people who aren't doing the right thing, and I think that's the biggest problem is there's too many of those people that are going to stunt the development and growth that we've been working so hard to preserve over the last couple months of isolation. Yeah, for me, sports, I'm optimistic about all sports. Um, I'm kind of just going with the flow and hoping for the best because I don't have any control there. Society, I mean... Here's the thing. Like, there's a lot of good going on. Like, it's National Nurses Week, so big mm-hmm. big ups to them. Shout out to every nurse out there. Um, and there's a lot of people doing a lot of good, a lot of businesses doing a lot of good, donating money. If we had any money, just so you guys know, sorry, sports, we'd be donating it, but we don't. So um, I think, you yeah, know. Yeah, whose fault is that? There's all of you. Donate <laughs> to us so we can donate to the others. Thank you. Um, but it's it's just like the world today it's it's the minor it's the loud minority that kind of ruins it for everybody else but the problem is that usually it's just words and whatnot where people are you know the people that you don't want to hear talking are usually the ones talking even though they're in the minority whereas now even if you are in the minority and you don't care about corona you don't believe in it blah 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 like you're putting everybody else at risk and that's the only thing that makes me upset let me ask you a question so you have been you know, a little bit further away from me, but I think we live in slightly different kind of areas as far as openness of space. Yeah. The weather's been nice lately. Have you have you seen just an influx of people in personal spaces outside, not yeah. adhering to social distancing? And what does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, like, I haven't really, like, yesterday I went to CVS with my mask on, just so everyone knows. Just because I needed to go for a drive. So I went to CVS. And following and the X's, unlike Will. Yes. Oh, I followed the arrows. Like, I got caught in between two arrows, and I didn't know what to do. Um, <laughs> it was just, I had to pause for a second <laughs> and figure my way out of there. Like, like, it was a fucking maze. Um, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I'll just go out and drive with the windows down on, like, a gorgeous day. But I, I'm trying the best I can to obey the social distancing, but I guess I'm in a more populated area than you. You're a little bit further upstate than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I drove over to to um, Stanford, which is a city near me. You know where Stanford is, obviously. Um, in Connecticut, which is one of the bigger cities down here, um, a couple days ago, and I was sitting in traffic, and I was like, why the fuck is everybody out? And then you go into the go into the city and everybody's out and about like it's a regular day or you go downtown in the town that I live in and there's ev- like people are the park every park around here is like boarded up but it's like people are just in the park like you can't drive your car in but you can walk and like go in as if it's a random day and I'm just like do you guys not understand that if if we just suck this up like at some point, we're going to be able to go back to normal. And the longer you idiots do this, the longer we're not going to be able to do, like everyone's not going to be able to do this. Yeah, I think that's the part that scares me the most. And that's why I was interested. To it's get just your- a minority, man. But the minority 
is going to affect the majority but I don't know in this if the situation. Minority is as minor as we think it is, or want to think it is. I know. Like people are upset, people are bored, people are tired, and you know it is. Human beings are, especially in America, we're used to being free. I agree. Like we talked about Monday. Like, listen, I'm not making an excuse for it, but it, you know, the the second you limit restrictions, people are going to take, you know, they're going to take every single human injury. They're going to take a mile. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But it's like, I mean, really, what are we bitching about? Like, my internet works, my Netflix work, my PS4 works. But um, what it is is it's it's not it's not that though. It's that you don't have the you don't have the opportunity to do other things you otherwise would be able to do without a thought. No, I agree with you, but I think it I think it's honestly at the point of like disrespect right now. It's it's at that point where like if you're not so like I saw a bunch of fucking asshole kids like skateboarding like a group of them like they there was like 15 of them they probably would have fucked me up if i just said anything because there was just 15 of them with weapons so i wasn't going to go about doing that Um, no they didn't have weapons but i mean a skateboard is essentially a weapon bro if you you use it the right way well it's like miles garen with the helmet yeah i bit my tongue but it's like i mean these kids probably were like between 16 and 18 years old and it's like Fucking the type of place I live in super rich. Like, they're probably all living in fucking giant-ass mansions. Like, they're not out on the streets fucking trying to get their next meal. Like, they could be home. And it's like, you assholes are going to ruin it for the rest of us. You know what they should be doing? And it's just disrespect. Okay. They, should they should be, be working. working. They should be weeding somewhere. Exactly. Starting their own landscaping business. Mm-hmm. Little Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> you're right, man. Like, I, I think that's my biggest fear is, like... New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, a lot of other states, but predominantly here that, you know, we're more focused on have talked about opening in phases, right? And, you know, you can have a phase one, a phase two, whatever those entail. I think phase one's going to be a shit show, bro. I think they're going to be like, the mall's open and there's going to be lines to get into the mall. People don't like feeling like caged animals. I mean, think of us when we were like teenagers, like, like 16 just got a car or had a car but we couldn't remember you couldn't based off of where you lived you couldn't drive anybody else right like maybe you could drive a family member for the first six months yeah but it had to be a parent but and then you, you can drive a friend for a year or something like that depending on you know, oh where, i was sneaking friends in the car and all that shit but that's what i'm saying like you don't like having there's some kind of vigilante you know obsession that we have as human beings that make us feel good. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, awesome. Like I can fucking sneak a friend in. Okay. I know this place isn't supposed to be open, but they're kind of open and now I'm going to go. And it's like, you know, if, if gyms open just for a sense, cause I know they've been talked about as one of the first things that's going to open. That's, first thing, that's probably the you, worst idea I've ever terrible heard. Of my life. Idea. Terrible Assess idea. Assess pool. Like, but but aside from doctor's you, offices, you, the best the best place to get germs. But if you haven't been, if you haven't quote unquote worked out or you haven't seen anybody for now, we're going on nine weeks. You know what you're going to do? You're going to say, if you're a guy who's 17, 18, you're going to say, 
oh man, I, I gotta go because I, I hope this girl I know is gonna be there. I hope there's a hot girl that's gonna be there. And then like, you're like, oh, and then we'll start hanging out because we're both so tired of being cooped up that we'll do whatever we can. I mean, let me tell that 17 year old kid if you're going to the gym to like fucking meet girls at 17, like it, it's not happening, bro. You're trash. No, of course not. But do you not think that that thought, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, we're gonna be uncaged animals. Yeah. Every normal social inhibition we would have had, I mean, we would just now be like, "Fuck it, who cares? What do I have to risk?" People are probably just as desperate to see me as I am to see that. Like, it's gonna be wild. It's gonna be absolutely wild. Yeah. So, what do you think happens to the world? I mean, this vaccine thing worries me because they've they've you know put in put a speed time limit on it of six months where. Typically, a vaccine is what, you know, a year and a half to two years, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm even worried about. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I don't know how you feel about vaccines. I'm kind of on the fence about them. I don't know if I'm a believer or a non-believer. Um, but with that being said, I just think it's risky to get the first strand of this vaccine as well, just because it's only six months. I mean, I'm, I'm itching for the companies that I've invested in to create it because hopefully I can retire off of that. But with that being said, like, I don't know if I'm going to go out there and get it. How do you feel about an early vaccine? So this is where I'll actually contradict myself a little bit and put the positive spin on humanity. Because I think there are so many unbelievably intelligent, philanthropic, and just like unbelievably determined human beings who are working night and day on this thing all over the world that something will turn up because we have un, you know unprecedented technology yeah and i think that already we're the fact like obviously now the antibodies thing is kind of hit or miss sometimes but it seems like more now than this but it's still something that this has happened in nine weeks you know so i do think it could happen i am very pro vaccine um I think that you should get them. I think that there's a reason that they are administered and why, you know, a lot of people don't get the terrible strings of viruses and illnesses and diseases that have otherwise been documented in this country and world's history. Um, I think that even if you said it was 100% foolproof, there's still a lot of people that wouldn't get it. Yeah. And that scares the hell out of me. I think so I'll I think I'll definitely get it. I just don't know if I'll be like a guinea pig for it. No, I think that's fair, but you know what a lot of other people will be. Because that's how we progress. Yep. You know, if nobody does it, then nobody's gonna then then we're oh great, we have this un, unbelievable vaccine, but nobody's gonna use it. So it's like I think there's gonna be the overwhelming majority of people will. And I think that's really cool. Um, the fact that we'll have it. But there's also going to be once it's past trials and whatever company, hopefully one that you invested in comes through with it. Um, there's still going to be a lot of people that won't take it. And that's what scares me. It's like, why? I mean, there's still a lot of people that they won't get the measles or the chicken pox. They won't get the flu. They won't yeah. get anything. And it's just like, what is wrong with you? And that scares me. That does scare me because we'll have this un, you know, incredible thing. And, and a lot of people won't take advantage of it. And then somebody will obviously inevitably catch corona and if god forbid another person hasn't been able to under their health care coverage get the vaccine now they get it and pass it along and Here however long it goes exactly so i don't know i'm i'm optimistic in humanity to get it done 
and again, I go back to pessimistic <laughs> on humanity to actually adhere to it and test it, and like we can we can let this thing go. How do you feel? I'm in agreement with you. I, I lean towards pro-vaccine. I mean, I've gotten all of my vaccines. I mean, one year I did get the flu vaccine, and then I got the flu, which kind of pissed me off, but whatever. Um, you know, they're not. It's not a perfect. It's science. It's not perfect. Um, but the but other, there's a reason we go through flu season and we don't have to shut the world down. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing I saw, I mean, Bill Gates, I remember him saying this on a TED Talk. I think it was in like 2017 was that there's going to be a pandemic. And, of course, like no one fucking listened to it. The guy's a genius, but nobody listened to it. Now, a lot of people are saying like this is just like – this is like less. I think less than one percent of the world's population was wiped out from this, right? Now they're uh, saying I don't have the I don't know the statistics, but that sounds about right. Now they're saying a lot. I I saw a couple tweets. I mean, Twitter's the worst place to get a source from, but I think it's an interesting topic. Um, a lot of uh, tweets are going out saying like this is just the warm up. Like the next pandemic that's coming is going to wipe out like. 20 to 40 percent of the population well, are they talking the second wave of this one no they're talking or like a whole a, a nother pandemic, pandemic. Okay. a whole nother pandemic within the next 20 years is going to wipe is going to be a thousand times worse than this just because of the acts that humanity has committed how do you feel about that not good obviously i don't know i mean the last real pandemic that hit the United States was the Spanish flu of 1917 and 18. And that had a second wave that came back after a terrible winter and spring of 1917. I absolutely uh, think we will have a second wave of this. This isn't like, it's starting to get a little bit better. The hospitals are starting to, I mean, it's still not great, but the hospitals are, are fucking jam packed to the gills. Like they were at least around, especially where we live in the tri-state area. But I 100% believe a second wave's coming. And I think we're all, I, I think everybody should get used to their routine of quarantine because I think it's going to happen again. I hate so, to say it. No, I mean. It depends on how quickly and how well made this vaccine is. Well, truly. I think that's the thing. And I also think that we have to try. Uh, I, you know, I alluded to this. I didn't even allude to it. I just flat out said it on Monday. Like the whole, the cold heart fact of a capitalist economy is you are going to have to outweigh the economy for life and death and and you know certain people of ideology will say well you know a lot of people have been dying under uh under uh quarantine and social distancing so why don't we try herd immunity and see how that works and i'm not saying that's right or wrong you know what's that like survival differently Well, yeah, I mean, herd immunity is what Sweden's done, which basically is what they said was we're going to open, we're going to keep everything open and we're going to encourage our special populations of, you know, elderly, of obese, of hypertension, of heart disease, of respiratory issues to stay inside, work from home and not go out. But everybody else, the world is yours. We're not shutting anything down. Mm. Now, remember. Now, it's, it's had some varying degrees of success. It looked like it was really working at first, and then it's kind of not been as positive lately. And obviously, statistics will tell you as much as we like statistics to be objective, everybody can still make them subjective. 
So, you know, Sweden is much, 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 much smaller than the United States. But then you have, you know, a place like Montana that's like has like, I believe, like 410 cases and like nine deaths. And they're like, we don't understand what the big deal is. And America, or the tri-state area is like, I don't know what's wrong with you people and why you're not panicking because we're at the epicenter of this thing. So yeah, same country, by the way. Exactly. So I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm like, I think we're going to hit the point where sports are going to open up and the top, you know, of course we are. are re, businesses are going to reopen. We need progress, and, you know? And that's the thing is like, Hey, there might be a second wave, but let's take the chance that there's not. And let's also take the chance that by the time there is, we'll have a vaccine where we can properly protect people. But I think you're just going to have to go for it. And I, the, the pulse that I'm getting of the country and of everybody is that we're restless. You've seen the Donald Trump has said he's limiting the task force, which means he is slowly going to be putting the mute button on Dr. Fauci and his other oh. scientists so that he can make sure that his pro-economy people are being heard and he can jumpstart this thing why can't why can't you do both like why can't you have fauci like because if it was the science if it was up to the scientists we wouldn't come out of our houses for three years see scientists don't look at it economically they look at it scientifically of course no i know so they're they don't they they would you know the economy means nothing to them they're like you guys need to stay inside and we'll just completely self or social distance for the next two and a half years three years and we'll be fine Oh, well, they're but, still getting paid, though. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, they're doing the research, and they need us to stay indoors, whereas the economists are saying, no, 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 come up with something in six months, like what you said. So yep. it's it, it, it's a tough it's a, it's a tough double-edged sword. All right, well, my last question is, what do you think the world is like coming out of this now? Do you think that... I mean, uh, you see it on commercials all the time, like, you know, this percentage of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, this percentage of Americans have less than so many thousands of dollars in the bank. Do you think people will be better savers? Because America as a whole, just given the amount that we're in debt, also the amount each American is in debt, are terrible savers. You think we'll come out as better savers? Just to not even save for a rainy day. It's at this point save for a pandemic. So I'm going to give my take real fast and then I want you to elaborate because I don't know if we'll agree, but we're going to be, I want to hear your take as much as first you personally. I'll be more fiscally responsible because there's going to be less things that I want to spend money on socially. I think America and uh, capitalist economics, if you look back on the history of this country, we are an incredibly gluttonous, over-splurging, short-term, in-the-moment mentality. And we have hit many economic recessions because of it. We even had a Great Depression because of it. And I think there are as many people who are going to want to save and be frugal. I think that's not going to be because they want to save money. I think it's going to be because they don't want to go outside yet. You're going to have maybe even more people decide... I've been saving money for three months. If they've had the chance to save, I'm fucking going out and getting hammered with friends. And if my bar taps $400 this Friday night, I'm I'm fucking doing it. That's what I think. How about you? All right. So before I give you my take on the economy, do you think you already mentioned the bar tab? 
Do you think people are going to be weary going out in public more? Like, you know, if you, you see somebody that you knew from high school at a bar that before this happened, you would easily give them a hearty handshake. Like, do you think people are going to think twice about that? You think people are going to think twice if, um, you know, there's a three hour wait at a restaurant because it's so crowded and they get the table in the corner, um, where, you know, you want to go to that restaurant, you're happy to take it pre-corona or going to concerts or, or festivals or conventions. Like, do you think people, those are going to subside a little bit? Um, I'm going to repeat what I said on Monday. I think if you've been affected by this, you're not. I think if you know people who've been affected by this, you're not. I think if you haven't been, you don't know anybody that has been and you think you're invincible. I think you're going to be lining up to enjoy all of those kind of experiences. I agree with you. you. I agree with you on that. Now, when it comes to the economy, I think that, um, I think that certain things are going to change and, and other things aren't. I think as a whole, I think we are going to continue to be the gluttonous country that we are. I think that certain people are going to save for a rainy day and maybe they won't be looked at as, oh, you're fucking crazy. Why don't you go build your fucking bomb bunker or whatever you want to call it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think as for the economy, I think a capitalistic economy is going to adjust to the demand. And I just think that new innovations are going to be created off this and people are just going to spend money on that. Um, Whether it's more of a virtual experience, AR is going to get a lot bigger. Um, I'll just give you a dumb example. Let's say somebody really likes golf, right? But they're Mm -hmm. scared to go out. I think that that person, they're not going to save money because they don't want to golf anymore. I think they're going to spend 16 grand on a golf simulator as opposed to going on all those golf trips. Now, what's interesting about that is golf is, as much as it is a sport and a hobby, part of what makes people love golf is the social outings because you don't have, I don't know what the percentage is, and I don't even think you could guess, but if I were to just ask you, let's say you see 100 people on the golf course on a day you go, how many of those people, give or take, are there just to refine their game and how many are out there to just have a good day with the boys oh you're absolutely right and and when you see a foursome you can tell before they even swing the club so that's kind of my point is like if you're trying and golf courses i mean especially around here i'm sure you've seen it they might be like the only activity i can think of that like a majority of them around us have not shut down dave public ones are hit or miss and the private ones are almost all over yeah, I mean, they just raise the they raise the pins so that like I mean now if you don't get a birdie like you're trash because you can just hit the <laughs> ball as hard as you can at the fucking at the stick and hope it and hope you knock it off and it counts. Yeah, it in. And and they're spreading out tee times one person to a cart. But I mean, especially oh, I've seen a have, lot of places that won't even allow you to have a cart. Yeah, I mean, a lot of places have gone walking as well. Some places one person to a cart. Um, and we had like a ridiculously mild winter. I mean, that's for another time. We'll talk about that type of science another day. I don't think we can go into a whole global warming thing. People's no, well, brains today. might explode. But I, I, there's been some golf courses where like literally since the first time I ever heard of the coronavirus till when I drove by it last week going into White Plains, like they've been open. Yeah, Um 
But I was just using the golf as an example of how people aren't going to save their money. They're just going to shift it into spending on other things. So let me ask you this. Like maybe somebody doesn't want to go to the movies anymore, so they build a fucking sick-ass home theater, you know? So here's – yeah, so let me ask you this because I think you untapped into something that's very important. And I think socially and economically they blend because there's a lot of social structures that we have in place that really are only there because we're told that we should want to do that. Um, I'll ask you this. Bars. Are people going to want to go to bars and spend $14 on a drink and be huddled around a bunch of people that they don't know with maybe one or two friends? Or would you rather buy a bottle for $14, have one or two of those friends over, and you freaking hang out and drink at home and do that? I think, honestly... Saving a lot of money, too. I think it's a yes and no thing. I think... It really depends on your social status, your marital status, or your relationship status. That's obviously huge because if you're hanging out with three of your boys, you're not going to fucking like have a one-night stand with one of your boys. I mean, maybe you, Sean. I, I don't judge no, it. No, I don't. No. <laughs> but with that being said, like it, it, it really depends because it's like – I know, like, my single friends, like, in the group chat, like, they're fucking dying to go back to to the bars. And, like, like, and that's, like, a pastime for a lot of people. Like, going out to a crowded bar, having a crazy fun night, and then just showing up home at 4 o'clock in the morning. Like, you're not going to have that sitting at home drinking a couple of cocktails. I'm going to have three cocktails and be like, all right, guys, go home. Like, I want to watch Netflix. You know what I mean? I don't you know- think... The fa- first of all, the fantasies that you have about me and Frenchie, they got, they're, they're, they're very dangerous. They're very dangerous for me to think about that you think of things like that. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad you have a girlfriend, but I got to meet her because I don't know if uh, this is a cover-up. Second of all, um, <laughs> second of all, I think it also depends because I hear your point quite well. I mean, you know, I mean I, I, the other thing it, is I think, I mean, obviously, like, it doesn't really matter, but like a lot of because they're just going to be bars with different names. But a lot of these bars probably didn't survive Corona, dude. Oh yeah, well most of them are going to. I mean, unless. But with that being said, so many bars being closed, rent's going to go down. There's going to be a young entrepreneur out there that has a little money saved up that's going to take a chance, and the bar's just going to change names. True. So what I was going to ask you was, let's take your hypothetical scenario, and let's put it into two different kind of living scenarios okay so we have one in the city you got you can you know either walk to and from a bunch of bars depending on where your apartment is or you can uber down and you know you're there and you just do the same thing and then uber back home you know you don't have any kind of responsibilities but you have a lot of options then you have more of a suburban lifestyle where hey you know i maybe there's one or two spots in a, in a town and i don't know if i want to drive and you know, the more I think about it, you know, this place is going to be packed and this place might not. And this place might have some people I'm interested in seeing. And this place is more of an older people bar. And this place is, you know, depending on this, I like, you know what, I'd rather just go down to the liquor store and, and, and invite a couple people over and, and hang out. Do you think it's going to depend more on that or no. is it really just a psychological mindset? Okay. I think it's totally psychological because again, like young males and young females are going out to the bar to, have a good time because like 
our generation is more experiential based. Like, true. You know what I mean? Like, sitting at home with two of your boys, like you can do that on a Tuesday night. Like you're you're hyped to go out and be with four hundred other people and experience something. There's an adrenaline rush that comes with it. You're exactly, right. and being able to talk about that night after with your friends, or being single and being able to get a girl's phone number, or or vice versa, get a guy's phone number, or whatever you may be. I I think it has nothing to do with your location i think it has to do with your or your socioeconomic place i don't think it has anything to do with if you live in rural kentucky or if you live in soho manhattan Mm -hmm. i think it has everything to do with where you are in your life like i think there's a lot of people that are settled down married and don't really care for the nightlife but went out to get a glass of wine because or, or uh, you know, uh, whatever, a glass of bourbon or whatever your drink of choice is because that was just what it was known to do that are going to be like, fuck that, what's the point? And they're going to be saving money. But, I mean, realistically, the bars weren't making money off those people anyways buying one drink. They were making money off me buying fucking 10 drinks for my boys when I was wasted and I was just trying to have a good time. Yep. You know, so, and I don't think that's going to change at all. People... Our age, younger, around our age, are itching to get back out there. And that's who the bars are making the money off of anyways. Well, and that's exactly right. And that's why I wanted to get your take on it because I agree with you wholeheartedly. And we're also, you know, that's also the generation that is running out to the beaches as soon as they get open or going yeah. to spring break and not pre- and pretending like, not even pretending, just believing that there is actually nothing wrong and they can't get anybody sick because they can't get sick. And there's this sense of invincibility that comes with being of that certain age that the bars are profiting off of and you're right so like two days no, it's, two it's days ago was what Cinco de Mayo like if 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 Manhattan opened up all the bars yeah on Cinco de Mayo no, they would be, be fucking be packed it'd be insane <laughs> and then the hospitals would be packed two weeks the, later with corona the, people the demographic would be from barely legal actually probably underage for a while like you know 19 to like 20. 32 so i was just gonna say to like 34 yep like that that would be i know, don't think the that nightlife percent of that of that bar's income that night i don't think that that nightlife is going to change at all what i do think might change is more of a restaurant scene I don't think you're going to see, like, I think you're going to see, like, more boutique cafe, like, enjoy the food, enjoy the ambiance, like, smaller restaurants. Like, I think you're going to slice a giant, you know, 200-seat restaurant into, like, quarters. Like, there's going to be three of those instead. I think people are going to want to be a little bit more spread out. You might see that more frequently, but I think bars are going to remain the same. Yeah, bars probably, you're right. And restaurants, they've even talked about that. Certain politicians have talked about when they reopen in phases, you know, the restaurants, when they do reopen, they're going to be sectioned off or there's going to be a certain level of occupancy that they're going to allow. Not to mention, not to mention, I also think... Two or three tables away. I also think that, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're lucky enough right now to stay to stay above water as a restaurant owner where they're saying like literally most restaurants are unable to keep their doors open a week without income. So if you're lucky enough to to do that and you're seeing like holy shit like I'm making so much money right now off of postmates if I were to, you know, 
get a lease at a restaurant that had instead of my 70 to you know 200 seat restaurant if i were to get a lease at a hole in the wall and cook the same food i do now and run more promotions more advertising everything for order out and just have small seating i would be you know quadrupling my income so let's close on this on just the restaurant topic do you are a are you doing takeout delivery, Postmates, yeah. Grubhub, whatever right now? And B, if this thing is lifted, even if there are restrictions, or if your favorite restaurants move to say a hole in the wall as you propose, what's your eagerness to go to a restaurant, or what's your eagerness to do takeout and delivery? So, first question, yeah, I'm doing takeout. I'm trying to support the local businesses that I'm a fan of as best I can. Um, like I'll go on Uber Eats and I'll see like you putting on weight. Um, no, I mean fucking You're doing a good job. Yeah, I only eat like one meal a day nowadays, dude. I don't know, but I mean good I'm cooking. You, I will say, I mean no, that's not good. But I will say well, I have one been... meal a day when you're quarantined and doing nothing, and if True. it's like one thing, you're you know I'm sure that that's probably keeping your metabolism fine i'd say it's probably about an 80 20 split of me cooking at home 80 percent, and then once a week maybe once and a half a week for lunch i will i'll order like a salad for lunch and then a meal if my like girlfriend's over and she wants to get like poke or something no big deal i eat poke humble brag um no one cares <laughs> but <laughs> Back to the other question, which was, will I go out? I think it depends on a few things. It depends on the situation. Like, if my girlfriend wants to go out, inevitably, I'm going to go out, you know? But I'm also. Yeah, and I'm also kind of itching to get back out. Real quick, sidebar until you keep going. Are you wearing a mask if you go out? Um. I don't know. That's a good question. You can't really eat with a mask on now, Sean. Well, only to lift while you eat. Like you're only letting it go when you eat, but otherwise you're keeping it on. So like I'm removing mask, in, removing mask, fork and mouth, remove, putting on mask. No, no, no! Like only during your meal and then putting it back on. I think like, that dude, as stupid and silly as it sounds, <laughs> that will be what people are thinking about. Um, first of all, I saw something on Instagram where a woman cut a hole in the middle of her mask. <laughs> And she was like, this is just so much more comfortable. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, you're the issue right now. I appreciate her wearing a mask, but, um, no, I don't, I I don't think I will. When they say everything's good to go, I might just fucking go balls out, honestly. Okay. Because for me, like, I am scared of Corona, but it's also more of just a respect thing for me. Like, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to social distance because I respect other humans and I'm going to wear my mask because I respect other humans. Right. That are a lot more scared than me. Yeah, you're you're not as much scared of your own well-being. You're scared of possibly getting it and transmitting it to somebody else. Exactly. Or just the general fear. Like, people get legitimately nervous when you're walking up and down the street and you don't have a mask on or even if you do. So I'm trying to be as respectful as I can of other people. Just in general in humanity where it's like if I see somebody walking up the street... When I'm walking to my car, I'm crossing real early so we don't have that awkward, like, are you going to cross? Am I going to cross? You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think, like, I was already talking about it with my girlfriend and a couple of friends. Like, ah, oh, I really, like, places that aren't doing takeout or whatever, like, I can't wait to get back and, 
eat this or that, like a lot of restaurants. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to get back out and get after it because, I mean, I'm just getting tired of cooking chicken. And that's exactly it, man. I think a lot, I think. What about you? Are you heading back to a restaurant? Um, I think it'll depend on who I'm with and what the situation calls for. If your girl asks you to go to a restaurant, are you going to say no? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. It's too reasonable, <laughs> you know. If, 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 what about Mike? You know, well, you know, obviously, Frenchie and I—we've been doing the takeout, thing, so we're 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 fine there. Although he's been with his girl lately, uh, in a couple different spots. So I need to call him out. But um, he's been going out. Well, I mean, like you know, he'll spend a week here, and then he'll go for you know ten days, twelve days with her, and Lord knows who she's seen or who he's seen or whatever. All right, so, so I'm going to defend my guy Frenchie here because. Hey, like, listen, I'll tell you real fast. You don't even have to defend him. He's the much more careful person. Well, like, that, is, and like, it's also hyper like... Hyper-sensitive to this. It's also like, bro, you. I know for a fact that you haven't been in your house since the day that they locked it down, so don't be a hypocrite. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, is like, I've seen a couple people here and there, like a significant other, whatever, but I'm not, you know, my situation is a little bit different from the places that other people have been going to. You know, like a lot more wide open. There's not apartment complexes involved. There's not really blasting French. No, I mean, it just <laughs> is what it is. Hey, he knows we have, we have the same because I, I have a training studio that I go to literally every day, but it's private and I have a key to get in and nobody else. It's close to the public. Nobody else can get in. So it's like, what's more dangerous? You switching places once every 10 days or me going there every day? Like I don't, I don't know. I like, think it's, it's time you the, throw Frenchie out. What's that? I think it's time you throw him out. No, I can't do that. He's my boy. <laughs> well, um, but no, I mean you're right. Like I, I don't know. It's probably going to be circumstantial. You know, if if somebody important to me says, "Hey, like let's go out, let's go do this," yeah, I'll do that. You know, but it probably will be limited. I'll probably be more timid to do so because I also interact. If when things go back to normal. You know, go back to hating people. A lot of people. I'll go back to hating people, but I'll also be because it'll be because I'm dealing with a lot of people. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see for sure. But no, I don't. I think the biggest thing, and we'll close with this: everybody's just trying to do their best. Nobody has a perfect situation, and everybody's trying to see the people that they care the most about in the situations that they deem the safest, and. I think that, you know, we should all be understanding of those people and situations without calling each other out. As are your parents, as are your parents down asked. south or are they up here? Like, what are you doing for Mother's Day? They're up here. I'll do a Zoom call. I mean, my, my parents live up in Massachusetts, so they were in Florida for a while. And then before this thing got bad, they came back up. They drove back up. So I'll do a Zoom call with, with her for, for Mother's Day. How about you? Um, I think I'm going to throw on a pair of gloves and a mask and my mom doesn't live as far away as Massachusetts, so I can get there within an hour or so. I'll probably head Good up, for you. talk to her in the driveway, see my dog. Yep. I like it. Good for you, man. Well, I think we've covered all the bases today. We'll, we'll cover more social issues because, you know, amazingly, man, we did like 40 minutes plus on social stuff after this pod, after we did our sports stuff. There's still like four hours, five hours worth of content. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. So but let's spread it out. Let's so spread it gonna out. Re- we're going to um, 
revisit the next two episodes of The Last Dance, episode seven and eight. We'll do that early next week. Can't wait. And then how about we... Um, oh, I can't wait either, man. And then let's cover another one of these throwback Thursday, flashback Friday, whatever day we do it kind of things. Yeah, man, you're making the call on these games, so that sounds good to me. Awesome. Looking forward to it, buddy. Hey, be safe, everybody out there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to our takes. Hope you enjoyed listening to Game 5 of the 99 first round between the Knicks and Heat, a glory day for Tom's Knicks when he was a ripe age of four. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you all soon. Tom, good talking to you, buddy. Uh, I believe, wait a minute, I was born in 94, so I was, yeah, I was five. All right, whatever, who cares? Everybody, (laughs) shout out to the nurses out there, shout out to the moms. Yes. And uh, stay safe. Take care.